0: I don't know what happened, but I'm glad I have my, my safety crew that quickly came and uh, told me about it. <laughs> and also those watching online, thank you. Uh, I just took a quick peek and Jeremiah seventeen nine through 10 is where we left off, in which we begin to understand why God tells us these things. We don't know sin. We don't know its effect upon the human heart. God says that people draw near to Him with their mouth and with their lips. These are all externals. What God wants is the heart. This is where all the issues of life come from. This is what tells you really who you are. And just like in a monopoly board, um, owning the most expensive and saying, okay, Lord, you can take my most expensive property, but I keep the rest, is not giving him everything. All the heart needs to be given to God because all of it is deceitful. It's actually toxic to you. It's almost like going to... um, a doctor that specializes in cancer and him saying I need to take all of your cancer out of you and you saying, well can you leave a little there when God says give me you should need to love me with all your heart God is saying if you don't love me with all your heart you may think you're loving me with part of it but in reality all you're doing is an external act but the reality is is your heart is still fully committed to idols fully engaged to things that will disappoint and leave you frustrated empty and ultimately to death all all forms of idolatry ends up that way so we don't know that our hearts are telling us we we are in the wrong path our hearts will always tell us yep keep going um god says that's a very uh, toxic fatal thing to retain within you why would you not want to give me that heart that i can transform and make into something completely different Uh, We do not know that we are in true slavery. What Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, it's interesting, it wasn't those that were opposing him, if you abide in my word, and we'll discuss this in just a bit more depth, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. This is not just simply information. This is way deeper. This information should lead you to a deeper understanding of the truth of who God is. And when you have this truth, this truth is what makes you free. And this truth doesn't come by a human mental effort or capacity. We'll just see in just a little bit how this truth comes to us. But look how they respond. Hey, you want to be free? You want me to set you free from slavery? Look how these synagogue attending, church going attending people respond to Jesus' offer to freedom. Uh, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Sin does not just lead us to not know, but to minimize and forget. These individuals completely forgot the four centuries they were in bondage to Egypt and forgot all the centuries that they had been in bondage to Babylonian captivity, Medo-Persian captivity, Grecian captivity, and now presently, presently, they were captives to Rome. There were Roman emblems all over the place, Roman armies constantly monitoring and squelching any kind of uh, 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 revolt against the empire. They were given permission to worship. If Rome said, you're not no longer worshiping, it ended. They were not free. That's why they hated tax collectors. This is a contradictory statement. They paid taxes to the empire that controlled them. Yet they could look at Jesus and say, what do you mean you're going to set us free? We've never been slaves to anyone. You know, that sounds like the American spirit, the land of the, the free. Are we Americans free? we have freedoms, but we take those freedoms to enslave ourselves. We have freedoms of the press, but what do our presses produce? Things that educate and uplift our nation or degrade and demoralize. Jesus nails it. He cuts through all of these facades. You can wave our American flag all we want and say we are Americans. We are the home of the brave, the land of the free. Not anymore. Actually, as Americans, we need to come to grip that, though yes, we have freedoms, legal, civil freedoms in our country, no part of this planet is free from this kind of slavery that Jesus is speaking of. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever sin is a slave of sin. And it is our country, the land of the free, that individuals went quickly and cleaned house on Amazon, cleaned house in pharmacies, and bought up all the masks, those N95 masks that our hospitals are in desperate sh- uh, need of. They bought them all up and are price, goug- price gouging hospitals and individuals, reselling them at five, 800, 1000% mark- markup price. The land of the free? We're not free. No part of this planet is free unless the sun makes you free. And if Jesus makes you free, then you are free indeed. Free like my my dear brother Sean Smith, who has gone to Loma Linda, um, has graduated uh, with pharmacology, and um, has finished his postgraduate studies. And he could be making goobers of money with those degrees in in, in pharmacology. There's a lot of money in that industry. But he's serving at a public clinic, serving humanity. He is free. He has been set free by Jesus. He sees that there's something greater and bigger than this world has to offer. And that's Jesus Christ. See, it's not the possession of information that makes you free. It's not that when you know information, all of a sudden, ha, huh, I'm in total freedom. No, that information should lead you to a person, and it is that person that sets you free. You can't say, I'm free. How do you know I'm free? My heart tells me I'm free. Well, your heart is a deceitful one. Your heart is the same heart as these people that said, we have never been in bondage. We, we Of course, we are free because we know all the truth. We know present truth. I belong to this church. I keep this day. Is that your security? These people kept the same day you and I keep. And yet jesus could say to them you are slaves you are slaves because and and you don't love me because you don't know you don't even know that external rites and external ceremonies and external behaviors will never transform your heart and your heart will keep you in a state of deception for your entire life that's what satan wants i said it before the most effective place that satan loves when humans go to hide from god is when humans go to hide from God in religion. And Christianity is definitely a place where humans can go and hide from God under the facade of external rites and ceremonies while their heart has never been touched by Jesus Christ. If the son, if, are you free? Are you free, my U.S. citizen, brother and sister, my American brother and sister? Are you free? I'm a U.S. citizen. And before I was a U.S. citizen, you know that I was an Argentinian citizen. And my exchange of citizenship did nothing for my heart being enslaved to sin. I was as much a slave to sin as an Argentinian as I was as an American. Are you free? How do you know? How do you know you're free? See, you can't say, oh, because I used to do these things and I no longer do them. Nicodemus, he would outdo you in all the good things that you're supposed to be doing. Yet Jesus could say to Nicodemus, you have to be born again because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Are you free? See, you're not free because your heart tells you you're free or because you're evaluating yourself. Because if you're evaluating yourself, most likely you're comparing yourself. And that's also a favorite thing that Satan loves for us to do. Compare yourself to sister so-and-so. Compare yourself to your neighbor. Compare yourself to your family member. Compare yourself. Compare yourself. Paul says that's not wise. Compare yourself to Christ. There is your point of reference. See, it's not what you do that tells you whether you're free or not. Jesus just tells you. If you have Jesus, then you're free. That's it. Have you received Christ by faith? Have you opened your heart to him personally? Is Jesus a daily, real part of your life? If he is, then you're free. Because it's not information that will set you free. It's not the belonging to an earthly church that will set you free. Only Jesus Christ has that kind of power. Is he in your life? Are you free? The reason God has to tell us to, to love him is because we minimize our debt. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing, either one, the one that had a lot or the one that had little, they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, Simon, which of them will love him more? Which of them should show more gratitude? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Makes total logical sense. And This is the the dark tragedy of our deceitful heart in that we could be giving correct answers and those correct answers be condemning us and we are completely oblivious to that reality. Simon has answered correctly and yet Simon is the most guilty one in this equation between him and the woman that is anointing Jesus' feet. Simon was a culprit leading this woman into her situation. He was a key role player in leading her to that kind of a lifestyle, but it was all hidden. It was all hidden. That's why God says about the heart, I search the heart and examine the motives. That's why Jesus to uh, Simon could say to him, um, There were two debtors. I want you to think, which one should love him more? And after Simon answers, Jesus now flips it on him. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? The one you just murmured in your heart? If he was a true prophet, he wouldn't be letting her touch her. How does Simon know what kind of a woman that is? I entered into your house, Simon. Simon, you gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no kiss, no sign of public appreciation. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And the evidence is that she loves much. But to whom little is forgiven... Only pieces of the board. Jesus says, unless there's a monopoly of your heart, and I am at every single one of those places, you don't love me. And you don't love me because you have yet to see what I have forgiven you. You think I have forgiven you $5, when in reality I have forgiven you something you could never pay me back. Life. This woman has come to understand something of what I've done for her, and she can't stop. Thanking me enough. See, this is the contrast, the illustration about Flight 1549, U.S. Airways, Captain Sullenberger. Why would someone need to command people to grab him and hug him with tears and say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what Mary's doing to Jesus. And the reason you and I forgot about Chesley 1549 is because we were not on that flight. We did not experience what those 155 individual, 154 individuals experienced at the hand of the 155th, the captain. Until you experience your own personal salvation, your religion is a personal self-deceiving sham. It's an external thing. It's a shell, a shell that crumbles when situations like this happen, a shell that walks out when things get too hot, too difficult. God doesn't want you to have a heart that will lead you to perdition, a heart that will never experience or grant you the experience of satisfaction, peace, contentment. Mary had that. Simon did not. Simon could give the right answer and not recognize he was guilty and that he had not yet been transformed. I need to move on because our time is running out. Um, The third reason, we don't know, we minimize, and we forget. We forget mercy received. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There he met Ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Mercy is please give us what we don't deserve, but what we so desperately need. Have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy now leprosy for us you know it's just you go to the er right and then they quarantine you for a little bit give you some powder and after that you go back into society not not then. leprosy was something that was for life and you had to be in a leper colony with people that were also dying and perishing and just putrefying on a daily basis no one was allowed to touch you uh, i mean you think us we're having a hard time with this quarantine they were not they, the family would have to leave the food and when the individual was done with whatever cloth they brought the food in, they would have to burn that. And just go ahead, you burn it. We don't want to touch it. Because what you get, what we can get from you will also ostracize us from society. You can no longer go to the temple. You can no longer get forgiveness from God. These individuals felt cut off from society. This is like those individuals that if, if we were living in this context, these individuals are individuals that are seniors, isolated, with no internet, no phones, no television, no radio. It's just waking up in the morning, opening the fridge and realizing the food has expired and I can't contact anyone to tell them I'm starving and I'm out of food. That was a leper. And Jesus, in an instant, says, go back to the priest and go back to your families. Go back to normal life. Go back to enjoying warm, the warmth of hugs and embrace what you and I are yearning from, for, the connection again at church, many of us would get teary-eyed as we step through those doors and see each other again and it's no longer this glass connection but hands and and arms and and faces. Well, these individuals would experience surpass that a thousand times. And yet, look what happens. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, only one returned. And with a loud voice glorified God, and to boot, fell at his down on his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan, not even an Israelite. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner? He said, Arise. Go, your faith has made you well. But see, faith has to change something more than just your skin. Skin disease has to do more than just clear the cancer. Provide whatever it is that this world sometimes demands that we feel we need. See, faith has to reach the heart. And until the heart is changed, You will walk away from Jesus when you got from him what you wanted. These people got what they wanted. Have mercy on us. Restore us back to society. Allow me to go back to work. Allow me to find new work. Take away this illness. But then what? Only one returned. Only one returned because as he saw himself, The Holy Spirit convicted all 10 of them, but only one responded. Only one yielded to the conviction. How can you not go back? It's like you landing Flight US 1549 and getting out and saying, I hope my luggage is okay. Uh, Is anyone going to get my luggage? Um, This is a horrible landing. Uh, Thank you, Captain Sullenberger. Thank you very much for ruining my luggage and my clothes are all wrinkled now. Uh, I'm going to get a lawyer. I think I need to go see a therapist. I might sue you. Really? That's the heart of the other nine. They completely forgot because they had forgotten why they had been saved from. See, and when you think you've experienced salvation, what has He saved you from? What has He saved you from? Like I said earlier, eating too many cookies. What has He saved you from? Has He only saved you from external behaviors? Has he only saved you from temporary experiences on this planet? Or has he saved you from something that you didn't even know you needed to be saved from? And when you saw it, it alarmed you. When you began to see the depth of darkness of your own heart, forget the people on eBay trying to hawk face FaceMax. What about you and me? Do you see what Jesus has saved you from? we forget the cleansing we have received for this very reason giving all diligence i used to wonder why peter would be so emphatic like this but now i understand the more i am a christian the more i understand why god god's word says what it says add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness and here it is love these are ongoing experiences that mature and deepen Um, For if these things uh, are in you and abound, that very next part says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten. What has he forgotten? That he was cleansed from his old sins, like the lepers who were cleansed and in a matter of minutes forgot." You know, this verse is sobering because it doesn't say this happens to lepers. This happens to people there or here or everywhere. It's for people that are not applying all diligence. That's what Peter repeats it again. Therefore, brethren, therefore, because there are people that forget, because we have a deceitful heart, because we have a sinful nature that we still battle against, because we have an enemy that continually tries to pollute our board with sin and idols because of this, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. All diligence, more diligence on a daily basis. That's what diligence means. Diligence is you, you think ahead. You are preparing. You are making provisions. You are trying to, at be, as best as you can, and in constant prayer, and communion with the Lord. Lord, how can I not harden my heart to you? Israel saw the sea part. Israel saw the ten plagues. And just weeks after that, they're complaining and whining about no food, no meat, no water. And they're actually convinced it was better then than now. Yeah, that's why God has to say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's a sad verse. It's a heartbreaking verse because it confronts with how quickly we can become ignorant again, how quickly we can minimize and eventually forget. How, God, how to love God less, <laughs> what has title slide? And because lawlessness, iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I heard this morning in the Sabbath school class, our kids discussing this, and they interpret it correctly, that as we see, you know, sinfulness around the world the love of many will get discouraged as people see you know that like i mentioned those people selling those masks at astronomical prices yet yeah, it makes people angry and as we see politicians and all these people trying to benefit and gouge the poor the helpless and the vulnerable it makes you angry but i believe that there's also an even deeper and more personal application because lawlessness <coughs> excuse me will abound in my heart Because I am not applying, I'm not giving all diligence. I am not daily, consciously, intentionally strengthening and developing the disciplines of opening the Word of God and being alone in the closet with Him, spending time in prayer. That's If you have the Son, if you have the Son, the Son will make you free. And if Jesus makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So you need Jesus. You don't need more sermons. You don't need more books. You need to open your heart and give diligence to making sure that every piece of your heart has been given over to Jesus, that all of you belongs to him, that God has the monopoly to his heart. So this is the enduring part. You could also say that this is the diligence. Giving all diligence, giving more diligence, that is what enduring means making sure that your heart that you don't get careless thinking you're going to cruise control it to eternity it's a day-to-day battle of allowing the spirit of god to search that monopoly board of my heart and say hey taking that back hey you you're allowing idols to linger you're allowing emotions you're allowing imaginations you're allowing desires you're, al- you're making plans, you're starting to behave, you're starting to make choices. Hey, hey, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is to have you. Do you see the sinfulness of sin? Do you see how destructive it is? Because when you do, then you'll appreciate Jesus's salvation so much more. But when you think Jesus is saving you from things that are superfluous, then of course, we minimize it and then we forget. Neglectful indifference, Hebrews 2, 1, and 3 says, We must pay the most careful attention, applying all diligence, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Paul doesn't say so that we don't scoot 100 miles an hour. He's a very passive-aggressive, gentle, almost imperceptible word, drift away. How shall we escape if we neglect, ignore? So great salvation. And the reason is a great salvation because we are saved from great sin sin is not tiny it's not i mean for me when i was in biology class i remember being blown away as i was praying before class to try to learn biology but what the holy spirit was giving me was way more parables and when i learn about viruses they're just it's a mystery to science because all it really is is a piece of a genetic code which doesn't constitute a living organism. Yet when it infects a host cell, it reproduces itself, which is one of the definitions of a living organism. It reproduces itself. When I began to think about how much of a virus has a parallel to the spiritual understanding of this mysterious thing called sin, I think one of the things we can glean from the present experience is that a microscopic piece of genetic code has pretty much paralyzed the entire planet. How much more sin? Do you know what God has saved you from? Israel didn't know what kind of slavery they had been saved from, the kind of slavery God wanted to save them from. It wasn't just Egyptian slavery. Egypt Egypt was not free. Though Egypt was the conquering empire, and yes, Israel was their physical slave, Egypt was under spiritual slavery. They were slaves to sin as well. And so has the entire planet been, says Genesis chapter 3. Are you free? Has Jesus set you free? How to love God and love Him more. We love Him first because He first loved us. Stop trying to get God to love you but start by faith accepting the fact that as wicked as our hearts are, God loves us. As affected as sin as we have. I mean, there's the story of the 10 lepers, but there's another story of a leper that, that asks Jesus, if you're willing, Lord, you can make me clean. And Jesus doesn't just say be clean, Jesus touches him. Jesus touches him. God is not distant from us. And though the sin in our lives causes him great wrath at times, and uh, desires to act, he hates sin, not the sinner. He loves the sinner. God so loved the sinner that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever chooses to believe in him would not perish because of sin but receive everlasting life. We love him as a response to his initiation of first loving us and everyone who loves is born of God and here it is. How to love God? get to know God because God is love. And we get to know God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Have you seen Jesus? And have you received him? If we, if we, if we would live a Christian life, the conscience must be revived by constant contact with the word of God. What kind of contact? Constant contact. All the precious things with which things which an infinite cause God has provided for us will do us no good. They cannot strengthen us and produce spiritual growth unless we appropriate them, unless they're personal. We must eat the word of God, make it part of ourselves. The increasing Not knowledge of information, but knowledge of Christ. We love Him because we know Him. The increasing knowledge of Christ that is gained by study of the Scriptures under the teaching of the Holy Spirit, not our deceitful hearts, but the Holy Spirit who searches our hearts, enables the receiver to distinguish between right and wrong in all the affairs of life. I want a heart like that. My deceitful heart has made me made so many decisions that I regret. But when I experience this, what Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26 says, that God will sprinkle clean water on us and give us a clean, brand new heart, I want that experience. Let us make the word of God the food of mind and soul. Meaning, it needs to stay there. Memorizing scripture is actually one of the things that God commands in his word. Did you know that? It is not a legalistic command. It is a life-giving command of, if by faith my word abides in you, it transforms you. The Holy Spirit will use those portions of scriptures that we have treasured in our minds to guide our steps. It will become a light unto our paths. Let, us, let the cross of Christ be made the science of all education, the center of, here it is, monopoly, right? All teaching and all study. Let it be brought into the daily experience in practical life so will the Savior become to us a daily companion and friend. Every thought will be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. With the Apostle Paul, we shall be able to say, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me, and I unto the world. Our deceitful world uh, heart, wants us to love the world and let the world have a monopoly of our entire world, our entire time. One of the reasons that kept me stagnant and unconverted for many years was that reason. I gave the entire weekend to the world. I gave the entire week to the world. When our church would try to do any, any kind of humanitarian services, community services, health cooking classes, and they needed young people to be a part of it, That's the reason. And I felt completely justified and not lying by saying, I don't have time. I'm so busy. Find someone that... Because the world has monopolized your life. You don't have time because this world has consumed every piece of the board of your life. And Jesus doesn't say, can you give me a couple of them? Can you give me, you know, like at least a railroad? Jesus is saying... If you don't give me all, whatever you keep from me will destroy you. Whatever you keep from me will destroy your family. Whatever you keep from me will destroy your marriage. Whatever you keep from me will destroy your children, will destroy your church. You need to give me that deceitful heart of yours so that I can give you a clean, pure, holy one. Thus, through faith, we shall come to know God. There it is. And by an experimental knowledge. We have proved for ourselves, not my mama, not my daddy, the reality of his word, the truth of his promises. We have tasted and we know that the Lord is good. Do you know this? Do you know that God has been good to you? Yes, it's not wrong to say that God is good because he helped me find my car keys. But if that is all he's ever done for you, you'll forget him. And God has done more than finding your, heart keys, your, your car keys. He has sent Jesus to find that lost sheep. That lost sheep that stubbornly, for years, plugged their ears, though growing up in the church and hearing things, hardened their hearts. God the Father sent the good shepherd to find that lost sheep that was you. God didn't send Jesus to help you find your car keys. He sent Jesus to find you and save you. Is that why God is good for you? Is that why you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good in your life? Because God has saved you from your sins. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer have a monopoly with these guys. You will be clean And I will give you a new heart. Amen, Lord. I want this. I want a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out this stony, stubborn, forgetful, self-denial heart. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. Do you want a heart like this? Do you want a heart that when you read about the crucifixion of Jesus, you are moved? Do you want a heart that never gets tired of how much God loves you? Do you want a heart that is not just lip service, but heart surrender? You cannot manufacture such a heart. You can only receive it by faith, by surrendering the deceitful, stony heart you presently have. Nicodemus was probably in his 80s, a well-respected religious leader, never had an affair, never cheated, paid tithe his whole life, built, helped build synagogues, and did all these things. And yet, he still had a self-deceiving heart. That's why God sent Jesus to Nicodemus. Nicodemus thought he was seeking for Jesus, but that night he realized Jesus was seeking for him. And you may have thought you were signed on to hear and check this out, but the Word of God has been checking you out and searching your heart and seeking to reveal to you where you truly find yourself today, spiritually and in the light of eternity. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength when you have received a new heart. Until conversion, all you can do is see what other people that truly love Jesus say and you can imitate them but it will never come from your heart. God doesn't want you to have a shell religion. He wants you to have a heart surrender. And that's what this entire command is about. I had a hymn that I wanted us to close with, and I want to invite you to sing with me. We sang it already, and I'm going to put it on the screen so that we can sing it. And I want you to sing thinking of it as a statement of declaration. This is what I want. We sang it already a little while ago. I want to invite you to sing it again. Jesus, that all that my hungering spirit needs, do I want Jesus to lead my life? This is a declaration of what I truly want in my life and in my heart. I only want Jesus, and I would rather have Him than anything else that I may have been seduced to this day to pursue. Do you want to make Jesus the owner of your heart? Do you want to receive by faith today a heart that can love God as he deserves to be loved? He did not save you from a plane. He did not save you from an illness. He has saved you from sin, but will destroy and lead you to eternal perdition. And he has done that at an infinite cost to himself. Will you choose Jesus? Will you let him be the Lord of your life? Will you give him all of your heart? all of your soul and all of your strength will you say yes to jesus today i want to invite you to pray with me and in the silence of your heart whatever the holy spirit may have been convicting you that you have been holding back from the lord i invite you to surrender it because when you surrender that you are surrendering your heart father thank you Thank you for giving us ample evidence that we do not know what you have saved us from, what we need to be saved from. It's more than just behaviors, Lord. Father, I pray that through the clumsiness and the failures of technology, your people, myself, we have heard your spirit speaking to our hearts. Is that him in reality? that I would rather have Jesus than anything this world can afford today. Father, our hearts will deceive us by saying, You're there. You're doing that. Oh Lord, we don't want to be deceived by ourselves. The simple answer is, Is Jesus the center of my life? Is the kingdom of Jesus Christ my biggest and sole aim in everything i do if i have jesus i have been set free from sin so father i pray that if there's anyone that's a nicodemus that has for years thought themselves and now realizes they are not that they will not draw back in despair and shame but recognize you are seeking for them you are the good shepherd and you want them saved saved for eternity father in heaven if there's someone that knows that they've always resisted that they have this cancerous indifference to you and anything related to church and spirituality i pray that as their hearts have been revived and they're recognized they are slaves to sin they do not walk in freedom greed and lust and selfishness and pride they are the clearest evidence they do not live in freedom, but horrible slavery to self-destructive attitudes and behaviors. I pray, Lord, that in their hearts they would sing that song to you. I don't want this world. This world's horrible. With or without a virus, this world is sick. And I want a heart that loves you, Lord, with all of me, with all my heart, with all my soul and all my strength. Father, I pray that our people are making decisions, personal decisions, that you would send your spirit and your angels to affirm them and encourage them. You are responding to their faith. You are cleansing. You are taking that stony, stubborn heart out of ourselves and giving us a sensitive, responsive, loving heart to your love. Father, teach us. Convict us to apply all diligence and more diligence that we can make our calling sure, our election sure. Father, it's Sabbath. I pray that we will use these hours not simply to rest physically, but to saturate our minds with your Holy Word, to develop the discipline of having constant contact, that our conscience can be in constant contact with your Word in our minds so that we can better discern what is right, and what is wrong. Thank you for instructing us this morning. Thank you for stirring our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a song that, as Adventists, we have sung many times. And um, let me see if I can find it. My eyes are teary right now. Um, Oh, I think I... I have deleted it, so I apologize. Um, Anyways, I pray that um, you will have an awesome Sabbath and that you will have um, opportunity to spend in His Word as a family, but especially individually. God bless.